When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Madrid 2022 is a wrap, and it appears that not a star, but a superstar has been born. Carlos Alcaraz knifes through the best men's tennis has to offer to claim glory on his home red clay and to put the rest of this sport on severe notice. We are so glad you're with us on Tennis Channel Live on this championship Sunday and a memorable one at that alongside Hall of Famer Jim Courier and through the window another Hall of Famer in Andy Roddick. I'm Brett Haber. He survived marathons against Nadal and Djokovic and now rips through the world number three in 62 minutes Jim, good grief! What did we just see? <laughs> did you say like a, like a hot knife through butter? I mean, that was today was yeah. amazing. Honestly, did not see that much of a throttling coming today. Certainly said it and felt it that that Alcaraz was the favorite in this matchup, but expected that he would struggle more with the serve of Zverev, as most people do. Zverev's first serve is incredible, and Zverev didn't have a bad day on first serve, and still the first set was routine. Second set was even worse. So uh, Alcaraz. Continues to boggle the mind. Three and a half hours, two and a half hours on Friday, three and a half hours yesterday. Broke broken ankle. What are we seeing, Andy? This is incredible. Well, I, I'm sitting here, and I heard, uh, I think Jason asked you a couple days ago, Jim, and I didn't have a good answer for it. I think you were a little bit, uh, as you normally are, a little bit more well-spoken and nuanced. But he said, what does this kid have to improve and the answer is, and as a, as a really good tennis analyst in my own mind, I don't know, <laughs> right? I, 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 I actually don't know because are you, is he, he's going to get faster, I think. No one's as fast as they're going to be at 19 years old. The serve normally gets better from 19 to 21, 22. I mean, maybe a little bit of consistency, but we're nitpicking here. I mean, the guy goes from defense to offense as well as I've ever seen. I, 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 can, I try not to be a victim of the moment, but I think he has – the best drop shot I've ever seen because, as you mentioned during the broadcast, Jim, he hits it off both sides. So now you have a guy who has knockout power on both sides, can take it both ways on both sides, and can hit the dropper and and kind of set that shot up on both sides. All the while, the kid's barely six feet tall, and he dropped one at 138 yesterday Mm -hmm. on the radar gun. His kit jumps, it was jumping over Novak's head to where Novak was, I've never seen him go back so quickly into a kind of a, a default position against someone new. So I, I don't know what to do with it. If I'm a coach, I'm going, I, I, I don't know, like hit two first serves against him. I, maybe, I don't know. These two guys, Jim and Andy, know more than most about this sport. And if the answer from both is, 
I, I don't know what we're seeing here. It gives you a sense of just how special what this kid is achieving is. Uh, let's give you a reminder of his road to this title because it's one of the great murderers' rows in recent tennis history. Lowest-ranked opponent he had was his first match against Nico Bazilashvili, who, by the way, is 27 in the world. Then everybody else was top 11. Nori, then the back-to-backs against Rafa and Djokovic, and then Zverev today. Imagine if this was the old days, Jim, when the ATP gave bonus points yeah. for beating top 10 players. Right, yeah, and he had like 1,400 points instead of a thousand for winning this uh the kid has gumption he has guile and and as we discussed ad nauseum brett you remember we were talking about it in miami there's no hole in the game andy there's zero weakness and you and so when we're talking about 19 year olds in development first things first we're trying to fill in weaknesses and fill in holes and fill in the cracks and make sure there's solidness everywhere now we're just looking at how do you get everything better and and I don't think it's going to get worse bar injury the only thing he's going to get really I think better going forward is experience and Andy you've long talked about how you'll take confidence over experience he's got more confidence than anybody in men's tennis right now without a doubt Let's talk a little bit about yeah. the drop shots, Andy. You, you referred to them a while ago because it, it's so uncommon for a guy to have prolific power off both wings and still have the touch and feel that he possesses on the small motor skills shots, and, and he uses it all over the place, Jim. Yeah, I mean, let, let's have Andy yeah. answer that one because I've heard my voice enough today. Oh, Go ahead, Andy. Yeah, I mean, you see it here. He's able to push you back, and Vera's six feet behind, and he hits it in big moments, too. He hits him down the line, hits a cross court, and, and the fact that you have to respect him coming out of his shoes and maybe is already the biggest forehand on tour this side of, of Rafa, hits it off both, the, and also has a topspin grip every time. You see here, you can't read that until it's too late, right? Because you have to respect the knockout power that he has. He can hit it to both sides, switch directions, and he'll come on huge points. Jim was the first one who was on this consistently in Miami saying he doesn't care what the count is. He'll throw a curveball in a 3-2 count. You just can't check step five or six feet behind the baseline against this guy. So if you do come up in the court, then you're having to deal with his power in real time. So he forces you to make a decision, neither of which is a good one. No, no, that, that's uh, exactly right. It, it's the power that really sets up the drop shot. I mean, Fabrice Santoro was on line one for you when you said <laughs> you've never seen a better drop shot, but Fabrice no. didn't have the power to back you off. He had uh, every bit the touch that Alcaraz has, but not the, the, the way to, to create the space that makes it so available all the time. Yeah, it, we're, we're seeing a supernova. Uh, all of this from a kid who just turned 19 during the tournament. Don't forget, a year ago when he came to Madrid, he needed a wild card at his home event, and uh, he was outside the top 100. Let's show you where he is now that this is over. He will leave ranked number six in the world. He is 28-3 on the year. That takes the lead outright in tour win total. Four titles, also the most on tour. Um, guys, I, I'm talking to two people who know what it's like to have six early in their careers. Andy, what's the key to managing this now and making sure it doesn't become overwhelming? Well, I think one of the one of the good things is as he goes through these steps, right, and wins these big events, he has someone in his corner in Juan Carlos Ferrero who can go, you know what? I know what you're feeling. I was also a phenom. I was also trying to win Roland Garros uh, as a teenager, I was number one in the world. I was going against the, uh, up against the top players in the world. I think Juan Carlos probably already knows that this kid might be better now. But being able to look at someone who's been there before, it creates an element of trust. And this isn't someone who come 
came to Alcaraz, like we've seen with kind of the super coaches midway through a career for a different voice, right? I just want something different. I'm feeling a little desperate. I actually asked Jim to coach me and then I ended up with, with Jimmy Connors, who was, who was great because I felt like I needed a voice who had been there before. JCF, Juan Carlos Ferrero, has already put in the time with this kid when he was 15 years old. There's already a relationship established, and now he's they're, they're kind of in it. He has the trust of this kid. I trust Juan Carlos to make the right decisions, and hopefully Carlos Alcaraz's thirst for success in the tennis court outweighs his thirst for limelight away from the tennis court, and I don't see there being a problem. The kid looks hungry and when he talks about the future he says it in a very confident manner not in oh i'm just enjoying myself he's very intentional about what he says scary well they have a template that that uh, the nadal family really set up which is the foundation yeah. is so solid and we're focused long long term and that's the same playbook they're running that's a broad long view that they have and they're ready for the success i mean they limit the amount of time that he's on his phone during tournaments they're making sure carlos is Juan carlos is on the road with him to make sure that he's there for these moments the only time that he's missed is when his father died in miami before miami he went home and then came back for the final he's going to be there to help him manage the situation in front of him and around him and that's important and let's just draw a little contrast to someone who else has been a supernova recently and that's Emma Raducanu, the teen who won uh, out of the blue as a qualifier, even further away, the U.S. Open, but has been shuttling coaches in and out and has had all kinds of, of change around her. You're not going to see that with Alcaraz. He's going to have stability, and that's the most important thing that a player has, as you know, Andy, when they come into fame. And that's what's happening around him. You want to limit the people around you, keep your bubble Alcaraz, I think, will be in good shape from that standpoint. You guys are both talking about him managing his ever-rapidly evolving reality. I think the first question is going to be, for a guy who just won Barcelona and Madrid back-to-back, does he play Rome or does he make the decision to step away and rest up uh, with Roland Garros on the horizon? What would you have him do, Andy? Oh, he's got to play. Um, you know, if, if he's healthy and that ankle, I mean, listen, he's healthy because you don't beat Novak in three and a half hours and come back and drill the number three player in the world three and one if your ankle's not healthy. Now, because there is time between Rome and the French Open, if it was a shorter timeline, I might say, hey, listen, you have confidence in a bottle. Let's check the brakes. But two weeks without a match going into a major where you're going to be considered a favorite uh, for the first time is an eternity in tennis. I think he goes to Rome. Jim mentioned on there he's going to get that Wednesday start most likely, maybe even take tomorrow off, maybe even just have a light hit to get used to the conditions in Rome and let it fly. If it doesn't go your way, there's no way that should affect your confidence based on what uh, you've built up over the last couple of months. I, I think he plays and plays well. All right, that, that's a perfect segue to Rome because the main draw started today. And as we know, tennis, my friends, is the show that never ends. Main draw began today with American Francis Tiafo, who had that great run to the final on clay in Estoril a couple weeks ago. Andy, today he ran into Philip Krajinovic. Yeah, and, and listen, with Francis, you look at Estoril, and it's like, okay, the, everything's hot, it's warm. We're really getting into the clay court season. Had some good wins. Loses first round of Madrid. We're going, okay, the transition into the altitude's a little tough. This is a big match for Francis, as you see Krajinovic uh, save a set point there. Uh, this is a big match just for momentum, right? You've got to reset the confidence. Now, no matter what you did in Estoril, if you take two first-round losses in Madrid and Rome, you start to question yourself a little bit again. This is a big match for Francis. Didn't play badly, just came up a little bit short on the bigger points. You see Krajinovic is the one that's moving forward and being the aggressor. Normally, Francis likes to kind of take it to uh, the person, but Krajinovic just 
played a little bit better on the big points today and a great passing shot to win the match. That's a heck of a open stance backhand pass. Now, Francis is going to have to adjust the schedule. I'm not sure what it is coming up, but might want to think about adding a tournament between now and RG. All right, uh, these are notable first-round matches coming, men and women in Rome. Pick one out here that uh, catches your attention. Oh, let's start at the top. Two U.S. Open champions, Raducanu and Andrescu, both trying to round into form in front of Roland Garros. Looks pretty good. Always interested in how Naomi Osaka is coming along. There's just a lot to like here. What about Stan? Back in business and team back in business. It's, um, it's a buffet. We, we know there's something for everybody here. All right. Uh, that is coming your way starting at 5 a.m. Eastern tomorrow as we continue our coverage of these back-to-back -back Masters 1000s for the men, 1,000-level events for the women. A little champagne for the winner and the runner-up. He is old enough in Europe to do this, I believe. The drinking age slightly uh, younger. Uh, so Carlos Alcaraz celebrates another win. We've got lots more to come on TC Live, including best of the best for the weekend. We'll take stock now that Alcaraz has changed the calculus of where men's tennis stands. Are these guys about to have company in the major champions club? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh. In his fourth Grand Slam final, Dominic Team becomes a champion for the first time. It has been a long time coming for this man. He has worked so hard to be in the winner's circle. That was Dominic Team winning his U.S. Open two years ago, joining the ranks of active Grand Slam champions, which remains a pretty exclusive club. The Big Four plus Stan, the only active players with multiple championships, then Chilich and Team and Medvedev with one each, and that is the extent of it. And so... As we welcome you back to Tennis Channel Live, that would suggest that unlike the women's game, uh, the men's game is separated between the haves and the have-nots. However, it does seem like we might be transitioning into a period where week-to-week, tournament-to-tournament, everything is very competitive and up in the air. Jim, based on what we've been seeing, how, how would you characterize where men's tennis is right now? I don't know that I would characterize it as wide open by any stretch. I still think Djokovic, Nadal, and now Alcaraz, along with players like Medvedev, Tsitsipas, Verev, I think they're still going to snuff out a lot of the a lot of the, the the scrum behind them and sort of hold the VIP rope and say no, you're not welcome into this exclusive club. But you know, everyone's going to be fighting for elbow space in there. How long can can uh, can Nadal hold on with his foot? Hopefully, he can play for another few years. We, we, he doesn't know. We don't know. Djokovic certainly looks like he's going to pull a Tom Brady and be viable like Federer was in in, in his 40s, and hopefully. You know, does it feel like we're seeing a, a Federer swan song this year? Kind of does. I, I hope I'm wrong. But anyway, it, it's, I don't think it's open. That's my answer. Is, is this a transitional period, Andy? Well, transitional because age is undefeated. And, you know, we're, we're guessing on, on when. Um, you know, is, listen, I, I, I thought Rafa was going to – you see the kid come along at 17 years old. You know, the way he played, I was like, man, you know, he, he might be done – 
uh, you know, at, at 27, a la Jim Courier, who also fought for every point and grinded every point, the physicality, he's still going at, 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 at 36. So, uh, you know, predicting health is one thing, but the name that we didn't mention in, in that group, Jim, is, 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 is Medvedev. I know we mentioned the other people behind him, but he's already established himself. He was, he was number one uh, already. So is he going to be able to fight off the onslaught from someone like a Carlos Alcaraz? I'm excited to see those matchups on quicker courts obviously Miami a little bit slower but yeah I mean there's certainly opportunity knocking this isn't you know the 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 same story as five years ago where you're just trying to sneak one in is someone going to burst through and open up the floodgates can Medvedev win three or four slams is Alcaraz going to come out of the gates and and be like the big three where he's just really really selfish to his other players on tour I don't know well well, certainly as more guys become contenders for grand slams it may change the calculus on this one thing that we always keep track of, which is the race for the all-time Grand Slam titles lead. A year ago, it seemed inevitable when Djokovic tied things up at 2020 that he was going to run away with this thing. But then Rafa wins Australia. That's 21. Could win Roland Garros. That's 22. And now could be separation. Andy, does, does this all change the way you look at how that might turn out? Yeah, completely. I mean, I think for the first time in a long time, the question right now is, is Alcaraz actually at the level playing wise, obviously not as far as accomplish, accomplishment, because that takes time. So everyone on Twitter lay off, but just the way he's playing, <laughs> right, just the way he's playing right now, it's at an elite level. I personally think he's on par with these guys day in and day out as it currently stands, not over the course of a career. That chapter is yet to be written, but I think he's in that conversation as one of the favorites at every major moving forward, based on what we've seen the last two months, is, is Medvedev in that conversation? Certainly on hard courts, certainly on, on, on faster surfaces. So these new guys, they are going to affect the all-time race a little bit. And listen, if you would have told us in 2020, at the beginning of that U.S. Open, that Djokovic wasn't going to already have it at this moment, I think Jim and I probably, and, and a lot of other people would have bet against it. But then there's the thing with the umpire and then, uh, obviously, we didn't see that U.S. Open final going the way it did in dominant fashion for Medvedev. We did not see uh, what happened in Australia. And then all of a sudden, Rafa sneaks through and wins the slam that he's only won once before. Uh, creates a little bit of drama. So we're in a different scenario than even I thought we would be in two years ago. But that's the beauty of uh, of sports. It's the ultimate reality show. And, and Andy, you were talking about this yesterday, how distorted things have become as far as our expectations <laughs> of how we define yes. greatness that now 20 and 21 is what greatness is. When, when we grew up in an era where if you got eight, that was Yvonne Lendl, that was Jimmy Connors. If you got seven, that's Matt Fielander and John McEnroe. If you got double digits, my God, you're in Bjorn Borg and Rod Laver and Roy Emerson land. It was just so rare. I think it's reasonable. I, I think Alcaraz, if he's healthy, is definitely a double-digit guy. I'm not sure that anyone else that we'll talk about below the, the big three is. They might be. We'll, we'll find out. There are four majors handed out, you know, assuming no pandemics every year. So uh, someone's going to win these things. But I think it, what is greatness has been completely kind of disturbed by the, by the big three because, you know, it's just not what we're used to seeing. And I don't know that we should expect – 20, but I do think double digits is very much within Carlos's reach. A hundred percent has skewed our take on what greatness is. There are multiple players in the Hall of Fame with one major title. One of them is on this screen. I can think of a whole handful of others and deservingly so. So don't 
let what these three guys are doing skew what you define as great. Uh, so let's talk about everybody else besides the big four because we know what their totals are going to look like, give or take. Guys, give us your take on who the best major performers are going to be, and I believe this is whose list outside the big four when their careers are over. Jim? Oh, this is Andy's, this is Andy's list. Go ahead. I'm happy Andy. to talk about it. No, no, Andy, you talk about your own list. Yeah, and, and I, again, I try not to be a victim of the moment. Everyone, I think, gets the you know cart before the horse uh, a lot of times. I think Alcaraz is a no-brainer at, at the top of the list and who will have success in majors. Uh, Medvedev is a proven entity. Not only the one that he won, but consistently getting to the, the, the business end of events. Multiple finals in Australia. Obviously, we've seen what he can do at the U.S. Open. He is a proven entity. Uh, Zverev and Tsitsipas, kind of very similar career trajectories at this point. Uh, Zverev may be more capable uh, more often on more surfaces, so I give the slight edge to him there. Obviously, he might have a little bit more scar tissue uh, with the second serve, and it kind of snuck in at the end of Madrid. Uh, Tsitsipas, uh, He's great on clay. The only problem is so are Rafa, so is Novak, and now this kid Alcarez. And don't sleep on FAA. He is one of the guys who has the biggest game, seems super professional. If he ever gets consistent footwork on that forehand side where he's not, you know, kind of has those days where you can look to the forehand where he's just going to flag a couple and all of a sudden be down love 30 on his serve, he can sneak into that conversation, has a couple of a, of a Grand Slam semifinal. So these these would be my five who will kind of have the most consistency and the best chances uh, moving forward outside of uh, the, the Mount Rushmore of the men's game. Jim? I don't have a, a huge discrepancy uh, on my list. I, I don't have FAA in there. I have Sinner in there instead. Uh, for, for Kind of for the reasons that Andy outlined about FAA. FAA's got the hole in the forehand where he can't rely on it under pressure. Sinner doesn't have those holes. He's not quite as dynamic of an athlete as, as uh, Felix is, but he's pretty determined. He understands his game. I understand my voice is tired from a week of talking <laughs> tennis. But uh, Zverev, he's got the second serve gremlin. But for that, he'd probably already have won the U.S. Open, wouldn't he, mm -hmm. against Dominic Team? Dominic Team not on this list, which is interesting since he's won a major and, and you know, most of these guys haven't. Uh, but Dominic Team, I fear for his health. I fear for his motivation also. I hope I'm wrong very much so in that department. But uh, Alcaraz, by far, I have the most confidence in, in winning the most majors in that group. I'm going to be fascinated to see how he plays on the grass. Not a lot of experience there, but why not there you know, as well? It's amazing how he's gone from completely <laughs> off the menu a year ago to now yeah. the top contender outside the big four. Also, by the way, not on that list or either of your lists, Rublev, Rude, Korda, mm -hmm. Berrettini. There's a lot of guys with major potential, but uh, we'll sure. have to see how it turns out. So let's do this as a getaway question for this segment. Uh, are Nadal and Djokovic still your two favorites to win Roland Garros, or has Alcaraz changed the equation, Jim? Well, my, my feeling was I wanted to really wait until we got through Rome to see, because I, I think Rome is a bigger tell than, than Madrid, because the conditions more mimic from sea level standpoint what the players face in Roland Garros. Um, you know, I think it was Nadal, Djokovic, Alcaraz before Madrid started. I, I think you put Alcaraz in front of Djokovic, having beaten him so dramatically. I give him the slight edge in that department, but no one cares what I think. Brett, why are you even asking? That is not true. Uh, that's actually why you're sitting here. And we care what you think, Andy. Who's uh, the favorite for Roland Garros? This sounds like I, it sounds so dumb coming out of my mouth, Brett, and I almost like can't even say it out loud, but he's at least a co-favorite with with these two guys um it, just based on the question marks going in 
Obviously, Novak short on matches. I thought this was a very productive week for him. Probably the best that that we've seen him um, th this year so far. I thought he actually played pretty well. And Rafa, uh, some question marks still about form. Will the fitness be there? How's the foot? So based on the question marks around those two, I, I put him as co-favorite. And I cannot believe that I'm saying that uh, in a three out of five set tournament at Roland Garros. Um, but feelings, that's, that's, that's what I feel. Let's, uh, let, let let's me just talk go, about feelings, Brett. Let me go devil's advocate on one thing. The only time, and best of five is, is the variable, right, because we don't have a huge sample size on Alcaraz for that, and the only time he's been to the second week of a major U.S. Open last year, he tapped out against O.J. Aliassim. Is he a different physical beast now, and we're not worried about that? Yes. He landed in Australia this year, and you started getting the photos of the people in practice, and he was a different-looking human. He put in the work, but even like, and I'll, I'll kick it over to Jim here, but going two hours and 40 minutes with Nadal on clay, the next day going three and a half with Novak and then coming out fresh as a daisy and drilling someone who's three in the world, uh, six, three, six, one. I don't, and maybe this is naive of me, Brett. And again, I, I could be victim of the moment. I'm not worried about this kid's body, uh, over the course of two weeks, and I don't think he's going to get extended in the, in the early rounds with his form the way it is right now. Maybe that's naive of me, but I don't worry about his body. He looks like an animal. I agree with you. And, and by the way, Roland Garros, fifth set tie break. Mm -hmm. We don't go long there anymore. There's uniformity at the majors, so no risk of having a long match if he did get caught up in one early and that extending him. So, yeah, I, I think last year's U.S. Open, those conditions, also the humidity, it's just a very different beast than what you'll deal with in Paris. Thankfully, you won't be schwitzing. I'll, I'll be schwitzing anyway. I schwitz schwitzing. everywhere, no matter the conditions. Uh, Roland Garros starts two weeks here from today. Are. Don't forget, Sunday start, and you can see it here on Tennis Channel. When we come back, it's our Sunday tradition. Best of the best, and boy, did we have a lot of nominees this week. thing. 5-0 and in finals now. Never lost one of those. And how about the numbers today? Never faced a break point. Just 11 unforced errors in the match against the world number three. Lost just six points on his serve. And he's got a hairdo full of rotary champagne. And <laughs> is that a bite like Rafa does on the trophies or a kiss? It looks more like a, a tender kiss. And a Keeps having these champagne celebrations. He's gonna start. He's gonna need like a goggle contract, like <laughs> like the guys in the baseball when they go in the locker room. Protect those eyes, kid. You're gonna need them in a few days' time. You're gonna have uh, Christian Garin in your opening round, probably Wednesday in Rome. But that's a moment, isn't it? Winner in Barcelona, winner in Madrid. Phenomenal. All right, uh, shifting to Rome. The doubles draw is out in Rome, and we're obliged to point out this pairing to you because those two guys are playing together in Rome, giving us quite literally the long and short of men's tennis, Andy Roddick. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is great. I mean, Isner, that's good partner choice. Isner's singles rank, or singles ranking below his doubles ranking. Now, the guy is absolutely dominant on the doubles court. And one thing I want to say uh, about the, 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 the shot that we just saw was Varev and, uh, and Alcaraz. Uh, Zverev was definitely more literate in, in popping bottles, Brett. <laughs> He has no, I mean, how could a 19-year-old possibly, I mean, 19-year-olds don't ever open a bottle of champagne, do they? No, not that I know of. No, but I tell no you what, if you, want, if you want to guarantee yourself at least $50,000 in bonus money, just sign up play doubles <laughs> with John Isner these days. Guaranteed yeah. semifinals or better.
Sunshine Double with two different partners. Way to go, Big John. Let's do the social net for today. Uh, what players are doing and saying on social media, including now that the Rome draw is out, we've got a comparison of the wild cards between Rome and Madrid. A lot of chatter in Spain about the fact that IMG gave away the wild cards to their own clients and not the Spanish natives. Rome uh, did it the traditional way, Jim. Well, are we talking about business here? We're talking about business? <laughs> the Italian Federation owns the Italian Open, and they award all of their players. Uh, of course, IMG just buys Madrid, and they're awarding all of their... IMG's its own tennis nation, by the way. <laughs> you know, they're financially motivated to try and prop their players up. No one should be surprised that this is what happens. It is uh, the purview of the sport. If, if you don't like it, petition the ATP and the WTA to, to eliminate wild cards like John Wertheim has for years and make it a straight entry. But don't be surprised when people skew towards their business interests. Don't be that naive. Yeah, and I, I kind of generally think um, if you want to uh, secure entry into a tournament, um, the easiest way to do that would be to be ranked high enough <laughs> to secure uh, direct entry into the tournament. So um, I, I love Fernando Verdasco, uh, good friend. Like, I, I really enjoyed being around him uh, throughout my entire career. But to, to act shocked uh, by not being given a wild card when you know the business scenario that Jim just talked about and you conversely, you also know what your ranking is at that moment. Um, I, I don't know that you really have a leg to stand on. It would have been nice to see him in the tournament, but I, I don't know that anyone is entitled to entry into an event that they're not directly uh, secured uh, through the ranking. I think he was just, he was bummed that it was his, his boy. It was Feli Lopez yeah, that sure. he played with for so many years. It didn't give it to him. Yep. Uh, this is from Basel, and this is quite literally the Federer Express. It takes you right downtown. Does it say French Open on it as well? Don't they know that it's, is that what it says? If it is, don't they know that it's Roland Garros now? They don't, we don't say French Open anymore, but I'll tell you what, it'll be nice to see Roger back. He's slated to come back in, in London in September for the Labor Cup, where he's, he's probably going to play doubles, Andy, with Rafa, and then Basel. Does that sound like a swan song schedule to you? Well, I, I think I, I think I was on this program and said, you know, that, 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 that Basel indoors looks like a nice place to, uh, to potentially call it a day. And listen, he might play, he might feel great, play well at Labor Cup, play well the Swiss indoors and say, hey, listen, maybe I'd like to play another slam. But, um, you know, maybe if you just call it the French Open while it's in balls, <laughs> you can get around some copyright issues, Jim. I don't know. That's it. No, that's why, like, Nike used to have the, the New York City tennis shirts on because they couldn't mm -hmm. say U.S. Open. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what, we do have a prediction, yeah. though, for, for when he plays Labor Cup, how, how lead pipe lock is it? That it's Federer and Nadal doubles at Labor Cup, right? It's locked. Locked? Total lock. Lock. Okay. lock it up. We lock agree it up, on Brett. that. Let's go to the next one. Kaya Kanepi, who made a, a nice run to the Australian Open quarters, is in Paris and getting her work done, not on the practice courts. She's in a public park in Paris doing drills. And she's got to watch out for the Patunk players. It's like the French version <laughs> of bocce ball. You got I mean, that's dangerous over there. That is, uh, that's, but that is good work. That's, uh, those are like the old suicide drills, Andy. Yeah, I, I, I like the kid, this kid, this adult walking with their child late in this clip where they're both just kind of looking. Like, imagine if you didn't have the context of this being an actual player. You just saw some mad woman running side to side, sliding across the park. It'd be, be slightly weird right there. They're going, "What? okay, get out of the way, kid. There so, was no slowdown in her game because there was a kid there, by the way. Kaya Kanepi and Daniel Collins are the two uh, purveyors of the public parks these days. Even though you're a big star, 
you can still play and practice anywhere. That bottle of champagne belongs to Jesse Pagula, who was runner-up to Anz Jabor in the women's tournament in Madrid, giving herself a, a brief moment, if you can read the tweet, to celebrate, and, and, and she deserved it. Even though she didn't win the final, she what deserves a, a sip, right? What a great tournament. And Jesse Pagula, not only a terrific tennis player, thrifty also, recycling the champagne bottle that she probably sprayed on Jabor with. <laughs> That's true, it's the same one. the remnants and bringing it back to room. I mean, I like that thriftiness, Jesse. Way to go. Yeah, and, and listen, we, we, we sometimes forget that there's a there's a whole mess of players that come, the best tennis players in the world come every week, right? And so to get through an entire draw, come in second best to Onjabor, who is playing great. You're the second best tennis player, uh, maybe third best, because I still think Shviatek's pretty good. But uh, for the week, uh, nothing to hang your head about. And listen, glad she had a, glad she had a pop or two. Well-deserved. First time anyone's brought up thriftiness in the Pagula family, I think, in the history of broadcasting. But at the same time, you know, look, end of a tournament, you deserve a little champagne. Same thing uh, when you broadcast. Long week, you could hear Jim's horse in the voice. He needs a little sip of something to celebrate and yeah. lubricate. Water. So there's Jim with a little uh, oh, tasty bubbles God, at the end of the week. Terrible Lassie. picture. Shame on you in, in the control room for finding that. I'm drinking water, people. No, he's a connoisseur of the finer uh, libations and bubbles. And Andy, no different, also likes the bubbly uh, to celebrate. A different kind of bubbly for Andy a little bit, but just the I same. I, I, I like how I like how Jim's is in front of like a chateau in French and he speaks French and it's very classy. I'm like grunting on the lower bunk bed of someone's <laughs> dorm room, like with a keg hanging out next to me with a hat on. Super awesome. I, and on, on brand. brand, I think. Absolutely yeah. on brand. Very good. Uh, we will head to break. Each player will sip his beverage of choice. We'll come back with best of the best as we wrap up this amazing week in Madrid. Following that fifth Masters 1000 for the men and fourth 1000 for the women. It's a series of 250s for both tours. And then the second major of the year begins two weeks from today. And you'll see it right here on Tennis Channel. That leads us to this week's best of the best top five points of the week from Madrid as assembled by our crack staff. We will start with number five, Andy, the women's champ, Anz Jabur, in her match against Belinda Bencic, showing off the touch and feel. She's like a constant highlight. Like every point she plays has the possibility to end in a highlight. And that's the part that's impressive. The movement is night and day from what it was three years ago. And uh, listen, she had plenty of highlights uh, from this tournament. The drop shot is always there. She plays that one, especially up the line real well. And the no look up the line, but the quickness is the thing that catches my eye there the most, Brett. Second career title for Anz Jabur. Number four, vintage Andy Murray. Yeah, a couple of major champions squaring off in the opening round, both trying to find some form. How about the guy with the prosthetic hip, Murray, with anticipation? How about some wheels? Show them off, Andy. Oh, gorgeous stuff. Great to see Dominic team back as well as he recovers from the wrist troubles. His forehand speed still not quite where he'd like it to be, but even though he lost this match, he went away happy that he was able to get back out and compete and didn't feel any pain. First time since Sydney that Andy's been past the second round, got to the round of 16, beat shot evolved. That's a quality win for Andy. Number three, Marie Boscova, friend of the show with some flashy shot making, Andy. And Alexandrova can pump the ball, but look at that on the full run, just a little flick of the wrist. That's something you don't see 
at just your average tennis club. They do not have the ability to flick a winner from the deep parts of the court to hit it on a line. Great shot by Booz Kobar. Number two, you can't have best of the best without Monfils. I don't even care if he's playing this given week. He, he's got to be in it. Always a highlight. <laughs> and against Djokovic, for sure, this is the frustration match. Never beaten Djokovic. That streak would continue. But he'd be the one generating the best of the best with this sliding drop shot winner. Now 0 and 18, most losses ever without a win against any single opponent. Number one has to be Alcaraz, but we couldn't pick just one. So, Andy, part A was match point against Nadal. Yeah, Nadal was finally feeling a little bit of what people have felt against him all these years with that hook forehand pass that curls in at the last minute. And, oh, by the way, that was on match point to beat your idol, Brett. No big deal, I'm sure, for Charlie Alcaraz. This is part B, and it's the second set point against Djokovic. Yeah, I might as well just take out the other guy who was uh, considered one of the best of all time. But look at this anticipation combined with the movement, combined with the racket skills. Get on up, Madrid. I love you. You love me. All good in the hood. It's devolved into a Barney sing-along. Why not? We've seen everything else this week. That's the best of the best. Sorry for giving one extra. We couldn't limit it to five. These are your feature matches at Foro Italico starting tomorrow. Vavrinka back at it against the American Opelka Coco Goff against the former number one. Leila Fernandez, the U.S. runner-up, U.S. Open runner-up against another Grand Slam runner-up in Pavly Yachenkova. And as mentioned earlier, Emma Raducanu opens against uh, Bianca Andreescu, Danny Kloppinger, and Prakash Amritraj have a preview, guys. All right, Brett, back here at the DraftKings Tennis Channel desk. Danny and Prakash back here with you. And P, Monday starts first round Big action Monday. here in Rome. It's going to be a great day. And Emma Raducanu and Bianca Andreescu headline that action. How do you see this match going? Well, good news is two of the biggest stars on the WTA taking each other on. And the great news is they're both trending in the right direction. Emma put together some good tennis in Madrid last week, culminating in a tough three-set loss to Kalinina, who was playing exceptional tennis. But... You know I love the way Bianca's playing. I think she is on her way back to the top. Her team, I managed to chat with Sven, her coach, and performance coach Abdul quite a bit last week. And I think the way they're managing her body and tennis is looking great. I'm expecting continued upward trajectory and a win from the Canadian. Looking forward to a manic Monday here. We'll start your coverage bright and early, 5 a.m. Eastern. All right, we look forward to joining you there tomorrow morning. It was a nice win for Andrescu this past week over Danielle Collins, first top 10 win for her in a while. So as we look ahead to Rome, this, this is a, a tough back-to-back. Jim, who, who are you keeping an eye on this week? Well, first of all, the draw is a bit more balanced next week. Djokovic, Nadal in the top half. You have uh, Tsitsipas, Alcaraz, and Zverev in the bottom. Actually, you could get a rematch of the Madrid final in the quarterfinals. Alcaraz and Zverev, that, that's one to look for. And Nadal, Djokovic, possibly in the semis. Denied that semifinal by Alcaraz in Madrid. Might we get that? I would hope so. Who are you watching, Andy? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a continuation of the storylines, largely uh, off of Madrid, but with another injection of Alcaraz, right? Uh, we want to see how Novak continues to build towards his Roland Garros campaign. We don't want to see how Rafa pulls up after two very tough matches, three in total, but two very tough ones uh, in Rome. Uh, Raducanu and Andrescu, can they get... Uh, the train's uh, back on the rails. And one thing that we have, one player we haven't talked about much who's had a bit of a disappointing clay court season and was probably 
kind of generally regarded as one of the best clay hopes coming into this clay court season is Casper Rude. Mm -hmm. uh, off of making the finals in Miami on the hard courts, you figure, hey, he carries that momentum over. Mm -hmm. I remember uh, in Monte Carlo listing your top five Roland Garros favorites there, which is a generally useless practice six weeks before a slam. But he was on the short list for everyone that was asked. And he's kind of faded a little bit very quietly because other people have stolen the headlines. But Casper Ruud needs to get it back on, especially on his favorite surface. Lost his first match in Madrid to Lajovic in three sets. So uh, we hope to see Ruud mm -hmm. in good form again starting tomorrow. With that, we are done for Madrid and done for this edition of TC Live. Thanks to Jim Courier, Andy Roddick, and our entire Tennis Channel crew. I'm Brett Haber. We will see you bright and early tomorrow morning, 5 a.m. Eastern for the start of Rome. What a week for Carlos Alcaraz, a superstar. Takes the next step in his evolution. Beats the best of the best at home.